In Ag and Review for the week ending September 13th, we start off with this perspective from a grower on the weather this summer. It has been a wet and gloomy season for many of our farmers, and one of those who's been battling the rains this summer is Dickie Hobbs from Elkmont, Alabama, who says the weather has put his cotton crop behind his average progress. We are like everybody else. We had all that rain, all that cloudy weather, and we've finally set a crop, but now we've set it the first part of September. We got to mature it. And if the good Lord stays with us and the sun stays with us, we'll make a cotton crop. However, the rains have been far kinder to his corn crop. And we're making that corn crop that's out of this world, as the whole belt's going to do. We're making 225 bushel of corn on rabbit skin ground. The one thing Dickie is hoping for now is more sunny days and a late fall. We got, we got to have it. For more on how this season's wacky weather has affected our farmers here in the southeast, log on to our website at southeastagnet.com. And now we check in with Randall Wiseman with this update on MCOOL. Back in July, a lawsuit was filed by eight organizations representing both the U.S. and Canada meat and livestock industries to block the mandatory country of origin labeling rule finalized by USDA in May. But today, a U.S. District Court judge rejected that plea. Vice President of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Woodall, said NCBA is disappointed with the ruling. But we have to remind everybody that this was just one of many steps that we are looking to try to find relief from country of origin labeling. Because even though the decision was made uh, by the judge on this uh, injunctive relief request, the fact remains that this is still a government-run program that is not providing any benefit to the consumer or to producers and is harming our relationship with two of our biggest international markets, and that is uh, Canada and Mexico. So we are going to uh, look at all the options that we have, not only moving forward with this case, because that is still an option, but also continue to look at the farm bill as a way to uh, get this fixed. Woodall said NCBA will continue to support and pursue industry-led voluntary labeling alternatives to ensure cattlemen and women are not strapped with additional costs for a program that offers no benefit to consumers or producers. OMB itself even gauged this as being a significant rule by saying it had at least an impact of $100 million on, uh, on our industry. The retailers and the packers have been telling us for quite some time that it would require quite a bit of investment in new equipment and new labels and all the record keeping that goes along with this. So we do expect the costs to start to uh, trickle down and those costs are typically always passed back to the producer. Uh, very rarely does the consumer bear the burden or most of the burden. So we know this is going to cost us. Full implementation of the MCU rule starts on November 23rd. And we will wrap up for this week with this report from Everett Greiner. From the early 1920s to the late 80s, tobacco was the money crop for southeastern farmers. From Virginia to Florida, farms had their allotted acreage, and that included practically all farms. Canadian farmers also grew a lot of tobacco. And crop lost its status when its true dangers were exposed, but it did not vanish, as most people assume. USDA reported almost 325,000 acres of tobacco planted this year. And it isn't just Atlantic coast states. It's grown in Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio. Always was. Although demand has dwindled, uh, there's still a market for tobacco. Oriental tobacco was used in the making of many U.S. products. Tobacco is still in demand in that part of the world. So, export sales of American tobacco is still strong. Obviously, farmers are trying to fill that demand. And smoking hasn't died here at home. And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.